Welcome to the Yogi MD Podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Long ago, a little girl, afraid to make mistakes, dreamed of becoming a doctor. As a young woman, she struggled to manage her frustration. She would have shown herself a lot more compassion if Orlando Bishop had been around. But it's never too late to learn. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Orlando performance coach and podcaster back to the show. We talk about learning ways to work through frustration. He believes that success is on the other side of frustration. The year is 1997 and it is August. And I know specifically that it's August because school was about to start. I was about to start film school um, at USC. I was in the Peter Stark producing program and I desperately wanted to go there to be a producer, to make movies and one problem there was some different challenges I got myself in so that was one challenge overcome but, but another challenge was I had to get to California and I was in Connecticut Um, I'd grown up in New York, lived in New York. I was back up in Connecticut that year and I'd gone to school at Yale. So I was in New Haven. How was I going to do this? I mean, it was theoretically okay, but I couldn't carry as much of my stuff as I needed to take with me on a plane. I couldn't afford to ship it and I didn't have a car. And so I spent that entire summer working towards saving the money to get to California. Luckily, I thought about going to an auction to get a car and maybe, you know, renting a U-Haul was out. Like, I couldn't afford a U-Haul all the way across the country. That's a lot of days. Luckily, a friend who had been through with me through a lot of the journey had a car. It was a, a Subaru station wagon and it was old and it was dusted and it had been sitting out beside slash behind his house for a very long time and he was like look man look, and you know if, if you want it it's yours and I was like get dang all right I want it so I took so pack up the car we get I got the safety inspection we pack up the car and uh there's my wife you know to be in the uh, passenger seat and off we go and we're not three four five miles out of uh New Haven, when I feel like the car kind of just, I'm like, what is going on? But I'm, you know, so I pull out, I pull off the road at one point because it's really kind of strange. I'm like, well, is that the road itself? And I'm driving along and suddenly the back of the car on the driver's side thumps down. I look in the side view mirror and there are just sparks flying out 
from the back side of the car. Just sparks flying, right? And so I have to pull over. I have to pull this car over, get out, and look. I'm like, did I blow out the tire? Well, I don't know if I blew out the tire. I couldn't have known at that moment because there was no tire. There was no tire, and there was no wheel. It was all gone. The sparks flying <laughs> from the frame of the car, dragging south on I-95 with me. Fast forward just a little bit. The wheel from our car had not only come off the car, but had bounded across the lanes of I-95 south, bounced up into the air, over the median, onto I-95 north, where it had landed on the hood of an unsuspecting and otherwise fine car. Uh, and I was stuck in Connecticut and I couldn't believe what in the world had just happened. So as it turns out, dear listener, aside from learning about frustration, always make sure your cotter pin is in. That is the lesson of this. You take your car in. Just ask them, by chance, did you put the cotter pin back in? Because otherwise, you'll end up like me. So what I ended up doing, and I tell that joke, I mean, I tell that story jokingly, but I ended up having to wake up in the morning and figure out what the new plan was going to be. And so we went to Junkyard and got a new wheel and got that. And then we got part of the way across the country. And so we then got ourselves that far and my again future father-in-law helped me do some more work on the car and then i drove on and on and on to uh, los angeles actually the wheel gave out one more time in richfield utah and that was its own set of uh, challenges and frustrations too including the fact that suddenly the hotel had no rooms for us and the u-haul place had no cars for us and i'm sure that was totally unrelated to us being the only black people as far as the eye could see and then finally, luckily, the one of the two, literally two black people who lived in that town happened to be driving by when we were walking back from the U-Haul spot. No, literally two, for real. He and his brother, and I'm not kidding. And luckily, this guy knew what was what. And so the people told us they couldn't fix our car, suddenly could fix our car. And he let us come to his house. And we paid to get the car fixed one last time and then drove very carefully and gingerly uh, the rest of the way to Los Angeles. But get like physically getting here to pursue my dream, like all I had done for all those years to work to get to this opportunity, it felt like we then lived out as a metaphor uh, with the car and the wheel and the three wheel car that finally got me where I was going so I could start school at USC. So there was a bit of frustration getting to follow in my dream. <laughs> How did you use frustration to your advantage? and not let it deter you? Well, there are a few things. The work I do, uh, I have uh, something I developed called the Align Approach, Align Performance. I didn't have this language at the time. I've created that since, but I was focused on what I call the point. I knew where I wanted to go. Yes, Los Angeles, but beyond Los Angeles, I had a dream I was following. I knew 
I needed to be out here. I knew how I was going to feel when I got out there. So being able to focus past the frustration to where I was going was critically important. And and I was able whenever it's funny at the time, um, Biggie's Life After Death had dropped and they had that going back to Cali song. I wore that song out the album in general. I mean, we, we were we were the CDs by that point. But I wore it out, and and I each time we got past whatever was gonna be that latest one, whether it was getting out of Connecticut or getting out of Chicago or getting out of you know Utah, I would put it on, and I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali, and I just kept where you go. I'm going back to Cali. That's what I gotta do. That's where I'm going, and being able to have that vision around it and what it meant to me made it so that in some of those moments where Certainly, when the wheel came off in the first place, I was far closer to home than I was to my dream, and I could have turned back. But knowing why I was going and where I was going kept me going. Do you feel like frustration is an important part of learning and character development in general? I think challenges, and I think challenges can lead to frustration. I don't know that you have to necessarily, in each case where you're going to grow or learn, necessarily experience frustration, but I think it's likely that somewhere along the way, if you're doing things that challenge you, that there will be frustration. One of the things I used to tell my kids when they were younger is I would ask them, what's the other side of frustration? And they knew to say success. And that was important to me. And I still remember at one point I shared that with my reverend. I mean, he hasn't been my actual reverend in a church for years, but we were very close. He was like a second dad to me. And I was speaking to Reverend Good, and I told him about that exchange that I have with my kids. And he said, well, that's not always true. And I said, but it's important to face every frustration like it is. And so, yeah, there'll be things that ultimately do frustrate us. I mean, that's just life and not every dream comes true and not every plan works out. And not every strategy is successful. But I think we have to approach the frustration as if we're going to get to the other side and we're going to be successful. I do think it's important to face some things because eventually we're going to face some things. And I think the people I've known in my life who, in one way or another, it may sound a little judgmental, I I mean it more purely, but who were able to skate along in certain ways when they do hit a moment that's difficult. And sometimes to the rest of the people around them may not seem, quote, that difficult. For them, it's an unraveling moment because they just never faced that before. They've never had to deal with trying and it doesn't work. I mean, we've, you know, I mean, we haven't all seen, but I can think of in my own life to a certain degree when I was a kid, but kids I've seen who were in quotes smart. We love to talk to kids about being smart as if it's like pixie dust that was, you know, sprinkled over them in the delivery room or not. (laughs) The problem with talking about it that way and not in terms of a growth mindset is it becomes either I'm smart enough to learn something or I'm not. So if I was able to learn addition and subtraction and now I get to multiplication and it gives me a hard time, that means I can't. 
because what happened before is somebody just showed it to me and I could. And I think the kid who had to do a little extra work to learn how to add when they get to the multiplication tables says, oh, I get it. This is like learning how to add. And they have developed some tools and some grit to get through the frustration. So in that way, yes, it's necessary because eventually you have to draw on those tools and those qualities. So it's almost like the person who has been allowed to have the whole experience or had an experience that was not easy, that was challenging, has a familiar passenger now in frustration. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say very much so. I think in a familiar passenger, that's a great way to envision it because I think if it's a familiar passenger, there's no reason to freak out. It doesn't mean we're not going to get to our destination. It's just frustration. And I think sometimes if we can bring down the sort of the energy around it and it's just frustration, that's all it is. Um, have that kind of an attitude around it, essentially be the observer of frustration. So instead of being fully in the frustration, to be able to observe it and go, oh, this is what happens. I'm learning a new thing. Whatever it is that you may be learning, whatever last app or program you had to make work or the, the spreadsheet that all of a sudden, wait a minute, I put that command there and now this thing's doing something funky, whatever it is, that you recognize that feeling. And I'll add, somebody was talking to me about this in terms of athletes recently and being an athlete and some of the ways that that can show up in life. And I do think that for me, having been an athlete, there was some training around frustration, right? There was a time before I knew how to hit a free throw. There was a time before, I remember at one point, somehow when I was a little kid, I had reversed my feet for a layup. So it's supposed to be outside foot, inside foot, up for the layup. And I somewhere along the line, I started I did inside foot, outside foot and up for the layup. And one of my coaches noticed it and told me to change it. And I worked on changing it. And it was like learning how to walk again. It was so frustrating. And I would even think mm. it and then I do it the wrong way again. It was amazing. And I just remember like and it felt so here I was on the basketball team and I couldn't do a layup properly. And it was embarrassing to some degree, Um, but it was frustrating because I just felt like, okay, well, now do it the other way. You know, it's right foot, left foot. If you're doing a right handed layup, do it. And my body wouldn't cooperate. And it did take time, but I developed that ability to go. Yeah, this is just like that. Like, I'm just going to have to do whatever this is a thousand times until it becomes automatic. And so I did. And I remember taking time off to the side and being there a little early before practice. And I remember walking home and as I'm walking, literally thinking right foot, left foot up, right foot, left foot up. And I think that ability to just sort of go, what are the components of this thing? How do I get good at these components of it? How do I put it back together? And now let's go perform. So what you're describing is a deeper, richer learning experience Mm -hmm. because you had to figure it out in your way for yourself. Absolutely. And so you start to learn that's how I learn things. Right. And I think that's important. That's an important part of managing frustration, in my opinion, is that everybody doesn't deal with their frustration the same way. 
Anger can often be my default emotion, frankly. (laughs) And I've had to learn how to manage because there have been times that my anger has really served me. I mean, I mentioned earlier um, that I gained some weight and we could talk about that. It was my it's been my third time up with the yo-yo and I want to make it my last. um, But that ability to say, okay, I'm going to take this step, then I'm going to take this step then I'm going to do it and I can persevere through it. I'm going to make it. And the lessons I learned along the way and I knew what to do and I know how to do it and I know how much to work out and I know how to think about it. Yeah, you develop that as you go. And what it looks like for me is not what it might look like for someone else. Somebody else may need to be really, to have gotten started, may have needed to be really loving and kind with themselves. And I don't say that in any way, but very seriously, and may have needed to just go for a walk every night for a month. For me, it was, no, get in that gym. Let's see what you can and can't do. And that's my style. And in some ways, I need to mod- I've needed to modify that style over the years. But it is my style, and I know to use it. And I know that essentially that's who I am. And I know that I can bring that to other pieces. So whether I'm coaching kids or I'm doing my own coaching or what have you, it's like, all right, I get I get fundamentally what it's going to take from me to do it. And sometimes I do have to get angry and it spurs me to move. And then once I'm moving, then the emotion might be different and the experience might be different. But sometimes I do have to like dislike the current situation enough and truly declare it unacceptable. So I'm watching a, a relay of some kids at a school where I used to coach, and I wasn't a track coach, but I'm watching this relay, and the handoffs were horrific. Like, for my former track athlete, captain of the track team eyes, I was like, uh-huh. it like I couldn't watch this anymore and I and I sent the track coach a message and I was like hey listen if you want me to mind my business I'll mind my business but I'm a former track coach I was captain of the track team I ran the 4x4 all 4 years of, and I can teach your kids how to do a good handoff and I'd absolutely come out so I went out there and I taught the kids and I worked with them and I had them running and half of them were like who is this lunatic but the uh, and I was angry at the kids for having bad handles, but that feeling inside of me, that welling thing, I've used to fuel me to do mm. things that have made a difference and have made positive changes. So I don't. I've learned not to get angry with myself for getting angry, but what I've trained myself to do some and sometimes more successfully than others is to then be able to say, okay, now which direction am I going to channel this energy in? It's almost like I build up some potential energy personally, and then the kinetic energy I transform it into can come from there. Everything has a limit. Mm -hmm. Everything has a tipping point. So how do we recognize when it's time to stop pushing, when frustration is sending us into a downward spiral? Maybe fueling a self-fulfilling prophecy of defeat yes great 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 question and the purest and most honest answer is i don't know the more interesting answer um and the more 
mm, true to life answer, I guess I'll say, is that we need to be paying attention to what's really going on around us. And I think when it becomes about the frustration and not about where we're going, when it becomes about the frustration, like conquering the frustration as like its own thing, then I find myself going, wait a minute, take a breath. Um, Hollywood is notorious for bad bosses, although in the post Me Too whatever era, I think people are generally figuring out that they may have to behave a little bit more uh, reasonably. Um, but I did have a job. I won't mention the company or the uh, person I was working for. He was a, a difficult enough employer that he'd had before me. 13 assistants in a one-year period. For those of you keeping score at home, they're 12 months in a year. Okay. (laughs) So, if that gives you any sense of what Orlando was walking into, there you have it. And it was miserable pretty much from day one. But it certainly did get to a point where I was just holding on. Daphne, my wife, had told me to quit. She had already told me to quit. I was so miserable. I was. I would get sick to my stomach every Sunday night. I'd feel physically ill. It was horrible. And for me, it was, I don't quit. Right? So it was no longer even really about needing to make rent or any of that. It was, I won't be defeated. And I think for me, as I've grown... It's like defeated in what, though? Like, your goal wasn't to work for this man, right? Your goal is to move forward in this industry. Your goal was to... Whatever your goals were, let's reconnect to those. Certainly, there's another way to get there than this, right? So, so to me, if you need to get... Um, I'm a New Yorker, so I'll use this. If you need to get from Brooklyn to Manhattan and the Brooklyn Bridge is closed... You can try to drive your car through the barricades or you could take the Manhattan Bridge or you could take the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Right. And and, and I guess for me, when I find myself ramming my car into the barricades of life, I realize that I've neglected to do what I call what what I call that in the aligned um, context is we talk to people about their hows, which are the things they're actually going to do to get from where they are to where they want to go. And my advice is always don't get married to a how. And usually when frustration in quote wins isn't when I put things down. It's when I get married to a how and I decide I'm going to ram my car into this barricade and the barricade's not giving. And it's like, dude, you and this barricade, this is not why we're here. We're here to get to Manhattan. That's why we're here. And, and reconnecting to that usually helps me to recognize when is this a matter of me showing the grit to persevere or is this a matter of my ego fueling, I will conquer this barricade, right? And that's when I usually get myself into trouble. I've learned a lot in this exchange. Thank you so very much for being here. I have a couple Absolutely. more questions. Sure. I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. Okay. Do you have a question for me? Yes, actually. You've done some amazing work personally, which I have gotten the privilege of of seeing up close. And and I've 
watched you do all this work to make people healthier, sort of to put it very simply. What's the most frustrating element of that part of the journey for you, of your attempt to help other people be healthier? Wow, that's a really great question. It comes down to practicing empathy. Mm. It comes down mm-hmm, it comes down to practicing empathic listening. When someone is not ready for a message, mm. when so, it's they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on her or his journey mm-hmm. in multiple arenas in in their lives. And so just because I can see the value in adopting certain healthy habits, ultimately it's not my problem. It, it's it's not my burden to carry. Yes. I have my own burdens to carry. And so recognizing another person's freedom and and right to their own actions can be very difficult yeah that's that's powerful in my own coaching that feels familiar i was work have been working with a client up to 2 weeks ago where They got to a decision point, and it was a decision point that I think they would have been happy enough to pretend other people were keeping them from where they wanted to go. And through the coaching, we kind of stripped a lot of that stuff away. I'm going to put this in some fun terms for you. I ain't heard from that fool in two weeks. Don't return my calls. Don't return my texts. Don't return my emails, my LinkedIn message, neither. And I just think it's... What you describe is so real. I've had clients hang up on me in the middle of sessions and call me back. Now, when they call me back, I'll be laughing. Now, you've been mad at me. You, you, you only mad because you know I'm right. So that's fine. You know, but I think realizing, <laughs> <laughs> realizing that our place is to hold space. I help people get to the best versions of themselves, the version they barely dare to dream. That's who Orlando Bishop is, fundamentally. Mm. And whether I'm coaching youth football or youth basketball or an entrepreneur looking to get a business started or a woman who's morbidly obese and wants to lose the weight and get her to running a 5K, you know, whatever it might be, that's who I am. And Part of that work is what you described, which is making space. Making, just holding space that the person can enter when they're ready. And I'll add to that, that especially with teenagers, I have twin 15-year-olds, and holding space is the is the hardest part of the work I find, right? I mean, it's because you don't want to hug, but when you want to hug, you want to hug. You don't want to say nothing to me, but I might wander into the kitchen 45 minutes later, you you take a breath. And it's like, okay, I mean, I guess that just happened. Like, 
literally yesterday I walked through here and you didn't even bother to grunt good morning. But this morning you made me late for my meeting. Like and and but realizing the power of being the person in, on my side of that equation and saying, yeah, that's that's what it is. And if you have to be late. I mean, let's just tell the truth here, Nadine. Let's just be honest. I was late for this interview holding space for my child. Let's be honest. Let's just call it what it is. Let's not lie to your listeners. This is the real deal. Holy field, as my friends used to say. And it's just what it is. It's just what it is. And, and that's its own frustration. But I think the patience, again, and the, and the holding of the space and the being that person in the relationship comes from your ability, my ability, people who've done it for me and during my life, their ability, my own mother, I think back and think like why she didn't stab me in my sleep. I have no idea. Like I was a nightmare. <laughs> but, but but it's because we're able to see the point. We're able to see where this goes. You know that woman you're talking about does need yoga, does need to make sure she doesn't slip and fall when she's going to visit her grandkids. And so if it takes her two months to get around to actually finding the right clothes or whatever excuse it is or whatever it might be, then you're going to hold space for her because it's more important to you that she maintain her balance and that she develop a sense of community than it is to you that she show up to class and show what a great sales job you did. And it's more important to me with my kids that they get to being the kinds of people I want to see them be and that they learn to work through difficult emotions and then they learn to face frustration and that they maybe just recall like just vaguely recall or it just comes to them and they don't even remember I said it to them that the other side of frustration is success right I mean I just think we want that end point thank you for that yeah absolutely Orlando, what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? It was you were on the very first episode. You had one definition. Right. This is years later. Yeah. How has it changed? It has changed. It has changed. There's some things I've gone through, some things I've done that have helped to change. One thing that happened, my cousin died. And we were we we didn't talk every day, but we were very close. He lived in Panama. And my cousin Fed Ming died. And it truly just took my legs out. I mean, just took my legs out. And I tried, and I, you know, I, I, but there was work I needed to be doing, creative work, writing, and it just, I'd sit and stare at my monitor and reread what I had written and try to get my brain to do it. And, you talk about frustration. It's a week late, and now it's a month late, and now it's three months late, and oh my God, it's about to be six months late. I mean, like, this is bad. And I'm deeply, I'm sure that, you know, others are frustrated, but I am deeply frustrated because if it's one thing Orlando knows how to do, is put one word next to another. What is happening? And I didn't know it throughout but I feel like I'm I'm sort of to the other side of this particular piece. I'll describe it. I had been I really did a lot of working out and working out hard. I box. That 
is cathartic and has always been for me. But I think that was a place where I started a certain building block of like, I have some control over my life. And I have some control over myself and I can be disciplined. I can do the work. And I also the confidence that builds from getting better at something. My, my hook is looking better than ever before. I'm turning on that hook like I never have in my life. Right. These kinds of things. And then I joined a mindfulness group. Suddenly things I'd learned along the way and things I'd read about in the power of now and all this stuff. Now, suddenly that's taking hold and and I'm paying more attention to, to signals from my body. I'd gotten uh, very sick at one point without going into too much detail. But, you know, like I spent like a, almost a week in the hospital sick and my doctor thought that might be stress related. So I started really paying attention and being mindful of the signals from my body when I get upset, like my stomach starts, you know, hurting or like I feel tight in my abdomen. OK, so then, you know, the physical was coming along and the mindfulness piece was coming along and a lot of work in between. I'm fast forwarding some, but I got the chapter done I'd been working on when I found out my cousin died. I finally, after all the months and all the staring at the screen and all that stuff, I got it done. And I felt like as I finished it, there were tears in my eyes and I really did put my hands up in the air because I was like, I'm out the other side. If the other side of frustration is success, finishing that chapter was one of the most successful moments in my life. It was deeply frustrating, deep, deeply painful time. But if I were going to define health on the other side of that experience, it would be, yes, mind, body, spirit. And frankly, you've introduced me to, no, not three, six. So I'm like, oh, this is all of a sudden. But it's looking to be healthy in any and every way. There's a fundamental piece when you start to see yourself and experience yourself as a healthy person, you start choosing more and more healthy things. So I think my definition of health or healthy life would be a life within which you have developed healthy habits that whatever you're doing you're doing it in a healthy way you're doing it in a way that builds you and nourishes you and brings you up if you can carry that everywhere you go then I think it'll just start becoming clear to you is that the healthiest way for me to handle this that's a wonderful wonderful way to put that thank you so much for that absolutely Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's, it's always a pleasure, and I always feel like I'm a better person after we've had one of our chats. Wow. That's a, so thank you. That's a beautiful thing to say. I feel very much the same way. Thank you for having me. I love what you're doing, and uh, you're, 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 you're making a difference in people's lives. You're making a difference in people's lives, including mine. So thank you.
And now it's time for the Mindful Minute. Find a comfortable and quiet place to sit. Lengthen your spine, keep your feet flat on the floor, and your shoulders stacked over your hips. Now notice your breathing. The gentle rise and fall of your inhale and exhale respectively from belly to collarbones and collarbones to belly. Recall a time when you felt frustration. Observe your breathing as you recall. Now let's smooth it out, inhaling to a count of four seconds and exhaling to a count of six seconds. Come back to the present moment. Open your eyes and notice how you feel. Dear wise women, thank you for growing our community. Keep using your wisdom and emotional intelligence to share this episode with someone in your social circle who will benefit from hearing it. Your grandma and your mom need yoga. Maybe you need yoga too. I teach yoga to wise women. I believe in empowering and educating wise women to thrive on their terms at every stage of life. Let's hear what a wise woman has to say. And I could not at this point give up yoga because it really guides me and my, my muscles, my body movements in a way that it just hasn't, I've never been able to do before. So thank you, Nadine. To learn more, connect with me at yogimd.net. And finally, podcast theme music is by my niece, Maya Bishop, on vocals, my daughter, Lizzie Kelly, on guitar and bass, yours truly, on percussion, and produced by Tim Buell, and original music for The Transitions by Charles Wilson, also known as Black Pac. Thanks for being here. See you next time.